0: Hello, welcome back to the Harlequins podcast episode four. My name is Michael and I'm here as always with my cousin Will. Will, how are you mate?
1: I'm on cloud nine at the minute mate after the game that's just happened at the weekend with the Quins and Wasps so uh, very happy to be here and we've got some really exciting things to talk about especially after that performance from the boys.
0: Yeah, spot on, mate. Those those that are donning or listening to us uh, via the YouTube visual that we provide will notice that we're currently wearing our Quins gear, given that we're um, we're sort of riding half the back of a big match day win. Um, We're just going to jump in, sort straight away, with a bit of chat that we've had
1: sort throughout the week. Really, Um, been a bit of a roller coaster, mate, hasn't it? It Certainly has. I mean, it's been our first week on the pod. It's been lots of fun. We've had some great chat with some real fans of the club Um, who've got really strong opinions that. Um, Some we agree with, some we don't, and that's the beauty of being fans. Um, Some really great feedback. We appreciate all the feedback that everybody shared with us. We've taken some on board. Again, like Mike said, what we normally do is release a YouTube version and uh, a podcast version. For those of you watching the YouTube version, we'll see that we've inherited some some mics. So hopefully the audio quality will be much better. Some of my favorite feedback uh, is the comparisons that Michael's been getting. I've heard of uh, James Haskell. That definitely can't be for the chat um but well, then certainly, no, it one,
0: certainly isn't my rig either
1: <laughs> and then the weirdest one he had is uh george ezra i think that must be the deep voice it definitely can't be the singing voice but uh, well
0: it's-, I'll, uh, it's not the first time it's happened it certainly isn't my singing um <laughs> someone mentioned that it was the sort of floppy nature of my haircut which again is a sort of slightly more different comparison than i was hoping for but no, i'll take it or whatever it is i'll take it um but yeah, I'm not, not quite sure on the Hask one. I'm trying to trying to avoid that tag. I mean, like I say, it certainly isn't the, the, the work that's gone into my top half. I've been
1: out of the gym a while, as you can probably tell. <laughs> I won't make a comment on that. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun on the socials as well. We've been engaging with all of you guys and, and getting involved with the conversations. There's some, some really interesting chats going on from different parts of the club, as well as uh, just focusing on the men's team um we've had some interesting follows as well we've had a, a huge high profile follow that we're, we're stoked about aren't we mike
0: yeah big time um and it obviously sort of leads us into our, our next topic we've had some um, pretty cool follows, like like you say mate we've had some some real sort of cool interactions over the last week 10 days whatever, whatever it's been but a big one today in the morning of his uh his, his son starting on the wing against wasp was was lewis's dad michael followed us on the, on twitter this morning and it clearly inspired a bit of um bit of magic in him after after a big performance against wasps are we touching the game sort of what what were your general thoughts what after a after a win
1: yeah i just hope he didn't see me pick my best 15 uh excluding him last week on the on the last episode that we did i know you're a big fan of lewis lyon and obviously had him straight in your 15 and i've got a bit of egg on my face now so nathan Earl, next time you get a game you need to bail me out a little bit um, yeah, i felt um
0: I felt a little bit bad for you at the time because I was I was rooting for Lewis and I know he we went through our team and I, I, I didn't mind the selection of L, not at all. But I was I was I was pretty hot on picking picking young young Lewis and he certainly uh he certainly repaid my faith. I mean he was close to man of the match. If he'd have picked that that second interception and ran under the sticks, I think it'd have been tough to not choose him for man of the match. But no, he was um he was classing the day.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a point I'm keen to make as well. His reading of the game was exceptional, wasn't it? I think you made a good point on WhatsApp whilst we were watching. Is he's got his old man's head on his shoulders, but obviously got the the youth and energy of a, a modern day rugby player in his legs. So uh, no, really good to watch him and watch him thrive as well. A kind couple of
0: other, I'm just going to sort of read my notes now on uh, on who I'm picking as you know big standout performance. I thought Will Evans is just getting better and better and better. He's so good over the ball and. His work rate in defence is, is is you know superb for a guy who's not one of the biggest sort of biggest back, biggest forwards in the squad. And I'm trying, to think us as well. Even though he wasn't, he's not one of the most electric players we've got. But Aaron Aaron Morris there, I thought was unbelievable you know in the wake of signing a new deal he was brilliant under the high ball with he was brilliant and although we you know been a couple of rumors about him potentially on his way out of the club I thought Scott Baldwin's day as well was was real quality I think mean, a couple of little dodgy moments at the line that way he's sort of passing it not strictly straight but that little tap up off his foot to so obviously give the ball in, um, for, for Lewis's first sort of you know big break in the first half was, That's was a really nice touch
1: yeah yeah, I'll echo those. I was speaking to my flatmate who was watching it with, he used to play for Bedford and he was there when Aaron Norris was there. Um, and he was saying how he's just a, a really top bloke as well. And you can you can see that in what he was saying after re-signing for the club this week. Um, the words he had to share about the club and his experience there were, were fantastic, actually, when you think about all the culture accusations being made at the minute. So that was good to see. Um, I've got some notes as well. And actually, when the players first ran out onto the pitch, and I'll correct myself on purpose there, they sort of ambled out onto the pitch. Yeah. I, uh, I was pretty nervous. I, I thought the body language was pretty horrendous. They didn't look like they were going to have any intensity at all. Um, but then we started playing the Quinn's way. Um, first phase ball, fling it out wide, get that break on the on the winger. Uh, it was electric. It was awesome. Um, quick tap penalties from DC again, which we haven't seen for a long time. That's, that's what made me fall in love with Quinn's, particularly in that title winning season in 2012. It was all about the energy that he brought to the game.
0: I won't lie actually, that first penalty we had, I think it was after a couple of minutes and DC's got his hands on the ball immediately I said, I said take three immediately. 100%. And he went what? and I was like, I, went, I was watching it in my house, I went, I went, oh, we're off. And yeah, I mean, it probably just shows the intent that they were trying to play with off the, off the back of a pretty tough week. And I know this is another topic and it's it's a guy that we're relentlessly, relentlessly sort of praising and blowing smoke up. But Marcus Smith is again, just the quality of the, of the man. I mean, Today actually reminded me a little bit. I remember when I went to watch the Sarris game at the end of last season and, and the the Napola was at um ten. N- another, you know, young English English fly half in, in Jacob Umaga and and s- different gear, Marcus Smith. Absolutely totally different, gear. different gear. Completely totally different. different gear.
1: Yeah, I thought Marcus was outstanding. He's got a wise head on young shoulders. Um, but I think that's partially down to, to Danny as well. I think those two controlled the game in tandem. And Danny really allowed Marcus to get front foot ball and, and play the way he wants to play. Um, I thought he was awesome today, Danny. He, he really helped Marcus do his thing. Um, what I really enjoyed about Marcus's performance is his ripping of the ball in contact. It reminded mm-hmm. me of Farrell when he plays for England, but they often sent a few big boys down his channel and we'd have one of our big boys in there from the pack coming. Come and take him low, and Marcus's job seemed to be to go for the ball and see if he could get a strip. And he got it's one. It's not or two. often.
0: It's not often I've seen him shirk a tackle, Marcus, as a as a ten. I don't often see him you know missing missing tackles or or shying away from contact. It's certainly something that he's he's pretty good at for for not the biggest sort of physical frame. Like like you say, the likes of Farrell, who's a big sort of physical ten, he's certainly not in that bracket. But I don't see him missing
1: tackles very often. No, and you must wonder what they did in training this week, but there was quite a few players that sort of went for that strip. And you think about the value of a turnover from a jackal over the ball, you will Evans, classic example. But actually there was a few turnovers uh, in the game, which were from stripping it in the contact on a a double hit. And it's such a crucial part of the game. It gets us that counter-attacking ball. Particularly with the squad we have and the way we play, when you strip a ball and they're, the opposition defence just isn't set up. That's when they're at the most vulnerable and that's when we're at our strongest. So it's interesting to see that we try to do more of that. I think the key thing to do here is remain calm. And if we'd got pumped in this game, we would have said, oh, well, it is the first game of Billy Millard's um, interim role. Um, Take it with a pinch of salt. So equally, having just put a pump in on Moss, we need to put ourselves back in line and say, all right, take it with a pinch of salt. I think the thing that impressed me most today was the attitude. Um, the intensity was there in attack and in defense more importantly. We turned defence into attack on numerous occasions. Um I actually was quite impressed with Billy's timing of his substitutions as well. Mm. I think it was the sixty-eighth minute, just after the the bonus point score where he brought Kerrod, Young, and Landajo on. I think they're three very sort of established premiership players, some with international experience, um, to come on in, a, in what was a really fast game it must have been really fatiguing for players. So I think he picked his timing perfectly yeah, but, for those um, three.
0: The pace of the game was evident, wasn't it? I mean, I know that Austin Healy said it on commentary, but it certainly certainly paid paid dividends. I mean, getting guys off the bench at, at really crucial times, I thought, was was definitely definitely important because we were it was it was it was, it was intense out there. It was, it was it was hard. It was fast, and you know, it's tough to play that for eighty minutes. So you know, for, for sure, I quite like Lindajo, Lund, Lund, however you pronounce it. When uh, when he came on, I thought he just. He was a bit bit quicker than he usually is. He played with a bit more pace, but he, he controls the game nicely when he comes on. His kicking game's not bad as well. But no, I enjoyed it, mate. It was good. I think uh that's probably probably where we'll leave the wrap-up of the game for now, because I think we could rattle on about what a great performance it was. I mean putting forty points and a bonus point up on up against a team that are one spot above us in the league is is massive in the context of our season, especially off the back of a pretty tough week. Speaking of, you know, things that are going on within the club, it's obviously been um come to the fore that we've we've gonna go through this guy called Owen Eastwood who's a, a culture consultant. Um he's worked with a lot of you know big sporting organisations. I'm just reading a couple here. He's been with Gas, Southgates England, South African Cricket, British Olympic Association, um command group of NATO, obviously in and out of sport, but you know, culture is a really easy word to throw around in professional sport and in, in any sort of walk of life. It's a really easy thing to just say that we're building culture and throwing those buzzwords out there. I'm just sort of wondering what your take on it is. Obviously, you've had a bit of training with a, in a work capacity. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, this is something I'm really excited to talk about, actually, because I think I've taken quite a lot away from it, um, both professionally, but mainly personally. Um, this, is some, this is some training that was rolled out um, for the company that I work for and I've taken quite a lot of it on board. Um, and I'll, I'll try and share some bits with you in a in consumable way now. Um, I imagine it's it's what Owen Eastwood is going to try and do with the club over the next few weeks or months or however long he's going to be with us. Um, I think just one last point on that Wasps game, and I guess it's loosely connected to culture, is the attitude that we showed and, and the resilience and the fact that we kicked for the corner when the clock was ready and went and got that. Yeah, penalty yeah, try. Well, that was outstanding. But um, It would have been easy just I'm, to knock the ball out
0: and take the win, but going for the, going for the you know, another trial towards the end and that was quite quite important I think.
1: absolutely yeah and a, a good good amount of camaraderie as well so so I've just taken part in CCI training with work um, which is uh, an acronym for creating a culture of inclusion. Um, it touches on diversity inclusion, um, lots of different modules such as microaggressions and unconscious bias all things that play a role in creating that culture. and these are things that I imagine Owen Eastwood is going to be going into the club and, and sort of reviewing and studying. Uh, and then looking to correct or educate where relevant, because I think that's the important part about culture. It's it's always education. Uh, nobody's perfect. Everyone's got different backgrounds and different educations. And I think what he's going to try and do is is try and uh, make people more understanding of each other and create an environment of trust. Yeah. So somebody- i took from that um diversity is is the quality of different cultures so that can be from race to gender to sexuality to age to social class etc there's so many different things that uh, create diversity inclusion is sort of accepting people of different diversities into your environment um it's all about equality it's not just giving people a seat at the table but letting them feel comfortable being their authentic selves and feeling empowered to share their voice of opinion i think that's an important part i think you read things at the club where there's, there's the hierarchy and actually diversity and inclusion doesn't have to be about uh, ethnicity or sexuality or um, your, your gender. It can actually just be your experience and your age. You think about the young players at the club. Do they get as much of a voice as they perhaps deserve? Everyone deserves an equal voice. So I think that's an interesting point. You obviously mentioned Owen Eastwood and his his outstanding CV. It'd be really interesting to see how he applies that to a modern day environment in a, in a rugby club, particularly in a pandemic where there's other challenges, which he probably hasn't come across before uh, and other considerations to make. But on this culture point, there are a few modules that stuck out to me uh, in particular. The first one was unconscious bias. Um, Everybody has unconscious bias because everybody has a conscience. So, um there's one quote i want to share with you that stuck with me it's you're not responsible for your first thought but you are responsible for your first action so everybody's got unconscious bias you will automatically have an opinion not an opinion but a first thought about a person before actually meeting them that's fine you're not necessarily responsible for that but how you act upon that you are responsible for so that's that's a good good quote that i took away from it another module that stuck out to me was microaggressions Um, And this is something that people listening will will realise with colleagues they have at work, with their family, friendship groups, uh, it exists everywhere. But microaggressions are actions such as words, body language, attitudes, uh, which are indirect expressions of either racism, sexism, ageism, ableism in some cases, etc. The list goes on. So it doesn't have to be related to to demographic criteria either. It could be somebody's having family issues. And because of that, you, you assume they're not as mentally tuned in as another player could be. Um, or it could be as simple as they have a different football team to you. They support a different football team. And for that reason, you you value their opinion less. Um, so there are loads of different microaggressions that, that need to be considered. Um, it happens in every single team. It will happen in every single workplace as well. Um, and I've actually got uh, another example here from Matthew Syed. So if, if you don't know Matthew Syed, he, he was an English... Table tennis player professionally. He's now an author, really, really smart guy, speaks incredibly well. Um, And he had a little anecdote or an example of of what makes a successful team uh, where there's cognitive diversity. So you've got two rooms, both rooms have 10 people in there. The first room has a monoculture. So you've got people in the same age bracket, the same gender, they're from the same geographical area, same ethnicity, same sexuality the second room is more diverse you've got a variety of ages a variety of genders variety of geographical backgrounds a variety of ethnicities and a variety of sexualities etc it's it's diverse what room do you think will create the best results
0: i'm not sure if i know the right answer but i imagine the, uh, <laughs> I'd, 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 yeah i'd imagine you know the, the the room with more to offer rather than that monoculture
1: a hundred percent. It's simple when you think about it that way, the, the diverse room, because you're going to come up with 10 different ideas. That monoculture room is going to come up with one idea because everybody's had the same experience. That diverse room with 10 different experiences in it, it's going to come up with 10 different ideas. I know which room I'd rather work in, um, particularly when you're at a club like Quinn's and you just can't have enough ideas in terms of how to play the game um, and play exciting rugby. So yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what Owen Eastwood comes in and does with the club. Um, I expect there'll be quite a bit of change because I think this training has really helped our development at, at my workplace, um, and I think it's something that should be rolled out everywhere. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what what comes off the back of it with the club.
0: I think it's huge. I mean, I'm sort of I was thinking about this sort of buzzword. I think is is a quite a good way to describe it of culture and and a, you know creating a culture, especially within a, a within a sports club. And um, so I was. Uh, 18, 19, I was living in Australia playing hockey, and uh, I was living in Melbourne, and I got introduced to Aussie rules, and I became a fan of the Richmond Tigers, and it reminded me a little bit of the crossroads that Quinns are at, sort of currently, um, big sort of city club very close to the home of you know sport in a in a sort of stadium sense, being next to the MCG and being next to Twickenham. Um, huge fan base, hugely loyal fan base, very diverse fan base. Um, and sort of at the, at the point of where the club was at, they'd been poor for a number of years, having probably underachieved, which I think is what, you know, Quinns are at now. And there was a point where they finished outside the sort of top half of the table, which for a club like Richmond's size at the time was, you know, a pretty poor effort. And uh, they had an independent club review, much like is what's going to happen with with Ernie Eastwood coming in and the sort of general work that he's going to be doing. And they were speaking about how they can create a culture, not just winning, but about, yeah, not just winning games on the field, but talking to, you know, the top person of the club being just as important as the person switching the lights off at the, at the end of the day. And, you know, they went through this big independent review and I won't go so much into it, but at the end of the, end, of the sort of general point of it is that they put trust in certain people to, to do the job without, you know, ripping it up Head to toe and restarting again. Whether that happens at quinn's or not, I'm not sure. But it just sort of reminded me of the sort of similarities of of where that's going. And you know, uh, four years later, Richmond have won three premierships in four years. And obviously, I get a lot of stick from my old mates about jumping on a bandwagon. But I was there for the I was there for the, the one tough year. That I was a fan pre actually them getting getting some silverware. But and uh, actually, I really enjoy sort of listening to all that kind of stuff you've just been talking about. I mean, specifically in my workplace, we get staff of all ages you know many different interests many different diversities especially living in, in the area that i'm at you know in a, in a city like london where we're hugely sort of diverse culturally and you know that's that's really cool and i think that's incredibly important not just in today's you know culture and civilization but um in a sporting sense as well i think that's that's a really cool thing to touch on
1: yeah 100% and i think um what's exciting about our club is obviously the future of it now and um we talk about cultures and, and has it actually changed since we won the premiership in 2012, um, which I think is a question mark. And if it hasn't changed in that amount of time, then obviously there will be an issue because so much in the world does change. Um I think uh, I'm not qualified to talk on it, but I think what I would do is almost have a changing of the guard. I think now is the time to, to put our faith in our younger players and make them the future of the club and the spine. It, I, in the same way that we had Hugo and, and Nick Evans and, and Danny and Joe and Robbo and Brownie as our spine of our team for all those years, I think now it's time to shift that on and have Marcus and March and, and, and Dombran and Murley um, et cetera. Louis liner on the wing. Now it's like, now is the time for that changing of the guard. We've got our new spine and with that will come a new culture. And I think it's time that we, we, we accept that and, and embrace it. Um, and actually, I've seen some really great videos, actually, of rugby clubs and other sports celebrating after wins. And you don't really see so much of that from Quinns. You think about the FA Cups and the upsets and you see players singing Adele in the changing room afterwards. And if you're watching the YouTube version, I'm going to put a, a screenshot of the Brumbies in the changing room after a game where they uh, they went viral for their Justin Bieber take of Eeny Meeny, um, which I absolutely loved. I thought it was awesome. So you don't see too much of that from our club. And I wonder if that's about to change.
0: I do like Adele as well. I know that Joe Marler does a good Adele. I won't give you my impression now, but um, yeah, George Ezra is slight, probably slightly closer than Adele. Um, no, I, and I think that's a really good point. You know, ten years ago, probably we did find that crop of Brown, Monia, Kerr, Marler, Robshaw. You know, without putting them up on a on a shelf just for now, but you know they can be hugely valuable to the likes of Marcus and Joe March and Don Brandt those sort of players, that's that's the future of our club moving forward, isn't it? And I think you're I think you're right. You know, whether it's a top to toe reshuffle or just putting a bit more trust in those guys to be the be the next sort of three or four years the cornerstone of of, of what we're about as a side. So that's going to be, you know, really interesting to see what happens in the next sort of few, few weeks, I suppose.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think you've got you've got to understand as a player that your role changes throughout the years of your career. Um, and their role for me has changed now. That It's almost about a nurturing role. There's still, still a job to do, and they're, they're very good at it, um, but it's now about bringing through the next generation. So, um, But on that topic of sort of being nostalgic and looking back at our previous spine Ooh. and changing the guard, I've actually got a question for you. Two, it's twofold. Question one, if you could go back and re-watch any Quinn's game live without knowing the result and be at the ground as if it's happening for the first time, at the age you're at now, what game would you choose and why? Holy hell. <laughs> um, it's a tough one.
0: It's probably really easy to say the final in 2012. That's probably quite an easy one to sort of go straight to. I'm going to try and think slightly further afield than that. Um, again, probably a really easy one to say. Stad at home, drop never. That's another really easy one. I think the next one for me that springs to mind slightly a further afield 2011, Toulouse European big Cup day. Big away day. Yeah, like we spoke about this in sort of episode one, and I've not done a real big big away day of the club yet. If I could go and you know spend a spend a weekend in the south of France watching us beat Toulouse in in the European Cup, I think that uh, that that'd top the tree for me. I think that'd be pretty cool.
1: So I'll uh, I'll flip that on its head. Obviously, I'm the one that does more of the away days and you do the home games. My my answer is actually a home game. So I was at the the Premiership final in 2012. Um, Obviously, the question was at the age you're at now. I'm sure I'd consume a lot lot more beer at this age. It'd be a lot more fun, but um, I wouldn't choose that one. Uh, The one I would choose would be uh, the Nick Evans drop goal against Stad at home. That just gives me sort of 0-3 energy just imagine being in that stand behind the post as it comes sailing through you erupt and sort of rise to your feet yeah that's that's the one i'd choose and then the uh the second question which is linked is any sport same question but for any sport if you could watch any sports game from history live at the ground at the age you're at now what game would you choose
0: wow um I was just having weirdly, I was having a conversation similar to this. Me and my mates were saying, if you a couple of weeks ago that if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? And we all said we'd just spend like a year traveling around the world, going to every major sporting event you could possibly fit in. Wow, any major one? Um, <sighs> easy to say, cricket World Cup final. Yes, yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty unbelievable. Again, Stokes headingly, not bad. I'm just not bad. Well, you know, not, not, bad. not bad. Actually, I had the Stokes at Henley game. I was actually playing in a six-a-side tournament down in Winchester with a few of my mates. Uh, August bank holiday, I think it was. Hell of a day, like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant day. And we were you know, having a lot of fun that day. And somebody had to sort of run over and tell us to stop playing because we had to quickly all gather around a few phones in the hundred
1: percent. Yes, yeah, we were. Had to do that.
0: I think I was. Fielding on the boundary somewhere, sort of not really paying attention. It was scorching heart. And I just saw all this commotion going on. And suddenly we're running over to the clubhouse. And he was on about 80 at the time. And we we watched it start to finish from then on. And yeah, that that was pretty special. I think if I had to go anything else, um I sort of already briefly touched on it, but I've really fallen in love with my Aussie rules over the last four or five years. I would have liked to have done uh Richmond, Adelaide, 2017 grand final I was actually very very lucky I flew to Melbourne in 2019 for the final I went I went to Melbourne for the weekend and that was an unbelievable day probably the best I've had in sport but it was a very very one-sided game I'd like to have gone to the 2017 final and it was a bit closer for a little bit longer but yeah 100, and, 100
1: or so thousand people packed into an MCG is, is pretty special incredible yeah incredible all about that turnout isn't it um, funny you mentioned the one I would do I would 100% do Stokes at Headingley 135 not out there's there's a couple of reasons to it um it's a full day the tension builds across the day Yeah, Jack Leach is is (laughs) his role will forever be applauded um I also went to university in Leeds so it holds a lot of fond memories for me so I can imagine quite a night out um, but I actually remember that I was uh, I was shopping with my ex girlfriend in Oxford Street, and I was in the changing room watching it on my phone. What's the last? Over. <laughs> and she was like, "What's taking so long?" I was like, "Oh, they're, they're really tight. I can't get these jeans off." <laughs> like, all so, no, I'd love to have been there for that. I've I've got a few friends that were there, and I honestly think it would be one of those things you never forget. Uh, I think it's a
0: quality shout having been there for the whole day, the build up, and then Pat Cummins, you know. Short, wide, long, up outside of stump. That's crunched before. Wow, beautiful. Anyway, mate, I think that's um, a pretty good spot for us to wrap up. We've obviously you know, spoken about a lot there and some some really interesting topics across the across the sort of half an hour or so that we'll we'll be talking for. But no, obviously off the back of a really good win, huge for us in the context of the season. Some really cool chat, and uh, we'll be on to uh, episode five hopefully in the next few days. But well, for me and for me and you now, we'll just uh, we'll leave it there and good to chat, mate. And uh, we'll we'll talk soon.
1: Until next time.
0: Take it easy, people.